Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our World Risk Register Threat Monitoring Service. These podcasts are released on a weekly basis, covering timely and relevant topics. In these discussions, we hope to shed light on evolving scenarios and provide actionable predictions and implications. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on our newest installment of the Sibline Insight series. Today's podcast is going to be focusing on the upcoming presidential elections in Ukraine. I'm joined by Ed Johnson, our senior Eurasia analyst. Thank you for joining us, Ed. Hi there, Katie. Thank you. So what can you tell me about the current situation ahead of the polls? Right. Well, uh, yes, Ukraine goes uh, to the polls on the 31st of March. Uh, there's a very crowded field of 39 candidates at the moment. Um, but today we'll mainly talk about the, the three leading candidates, uh, incumbent Petro Poroshenko, former Prime Minister Yulia Tymoshenko, and the uh, comic-turned-politician Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, who is currently leading the polls with around 24-25%, uh, followed by uh, either Poroshenko or Tymoshenko on 16-17%, depending on, on, on which polls you believe. Okay. So what are the key issues that uh, the candidates are talking about? So obviously, uh, the, the, the sort of principal background to all of this is the um, the, the conflict with Russia, um, and also as the election sort of hove into view, people looking back over the last five years following the, the 2014 revolution and the, the sort of uh, promise of that, um, and therefore obviously corruption is, is a significant uh, factor in that, or the, the lack of progress in, in tackling an elite level corruption and systemic graft. And in addition to that, I would say that you know, the economic performance over the last five years has been, you know, there's been a recovery certainly, but uh, you know, uh, the real real uh, level incomes are, are still uh, below where they were ten years ago. Is corruption a major issue for any of the candidates running in the campaign, or? Well, I mean, you know, the both candidate, all all three candidates are, are sort of um, engaging in in compromise, and you know, the, the sort of um, trying to tar each other with the brush of corruption, as it were. Uh, Poroshenko has been most affected by this uh, recent scandal involving uh, one of the one of his closest allies on the National Security Council, who was forced to resign after some investigative journalists found that his son was um, illegally uh, smuggling an arms parts from Russia and then selling them onto the Ukrainian military at inflated prices. So it's it's um, it's very very much a salient issue, um, and it's damaging to particularly to Poroshenko. Tymoshenko has been and Zelensky have been. Uh, impacted by their alleged ties to the um, sort of disgraced oligarch Igor Kolomoisky, uh, who controls uh, one of the Ukraine's most popular TV channels on which Mr. Zelensky's uh, hit TV shows uh, are aired. So there's definitely a sort of sense of, you know, a lot of the uh, structures and corrupt practices that characterized the previous 25 years of Ukrainian history have uh, sort of endured over the last five years. And uh, yeah, I think you know voters are, are certainly um, turned off uh, by Poroshenko and, and Tymoshenko's um, sort of deep involvement with those uh, those practices, or sort of uh, their status as veteran politicians is, is is limiting for them. So that's obviously where Zelensky's picking up a lot of support in terms of being a kind of a new broom, as it were, and a, a new promise, as it were. Okay, great. Um, and so then the other point that we mentioned was the Don- ongoing Donbass conflict. So what scope would you say? Is there a resolution for the Donbass conflict? Are we going to see any major changes in the next couple of months? Or I think, uh, you know, the, the conflict is, is going is to continue uh, over the course of the, you know, the, the election campaign and on, over, over the course of the year. The crucial kind of point in terms of being able to, um, any new president or, or a second uh, Poroshenko term, being able to kind of uh, drive a, a resolution or revive the the Minsk uh, process 
uh, is really dependent on the, the outcome of the parliamentary elections, which will take place in October. Both three, three candidates, uh, Tymoshenko, Zelensky, and Poroshenko, have their own uh, parties, which will be contesting in that and will be trying to aim to gain or at least lead a parliamentary majority. So I don't think there'll be any kind of perception of a concession to Russia uh, or a sort of willingness to reopen negotiations with Russia because neither, no candidate wants to be sort of tarred with the brush of, of you know, making concessions or being overtly too, too pro-Russian or, or the perception of that at least. So I, I think the status quo will, will kind of persist over 2019 in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. After that, you know, that point, after the October's elections, perhaps then we can see a shift. Obviously, this will depend on the Kremlin as well. If they if they get what they want, which is essentially not a Poroshenko second term, either Zelensky or Tymoshenko is more favorable to them. You know, we could see the Kremlin either escalating to force more negotiations or just you know, simply coming to the negotiation table. Okay, so we're basically looking at maintenance of the status quo and uh, sustained kind of electioneering tactics throughout October, I suppose. Yeah, okay. I, I would think that's... I mean, we may see the you know, kind of the, the, the odd spike in violence over the summer, as is, as is typical, in particular in, around sort of strategic hotspots. But I would be... I wouldn't rule out a, a significant escalation, but I think it's, it's, it's quite unlikely. Okay, that sounds great. And then moving on to, of course, the Kremlin in Russia, which you mentioned earlier. Uh, what is Russia's perspective on the election? You mentioned that they do not want another Poroshenko term. Um, what's the scope for what they want and their kind of interference, potentially? Yeah, I mean, the Kremlin, I think, you know, it would be fair to say, has, has, has misread Ukrainian politics um, for a very long time. And certainly over the last you know, five years, there's... Um, that, that trend has continued. So I think there's a sense of uncertainty. There is a real hope and desire, I think, that for, for not having another Poroshenko term precisely because of the sort of personal animosity between him and, and Putin. They, they know Timoshenko um, from, from her time as prime minister and she's a, more of a known entity to them, whereas Zelensky would represent somebody, an unknown and an uncertainty. But, you know, I return to that word uncertainty and I think that's the, the kind of crucial point about the elections that it, it doesn't solve many problems it doesn't provide many answers to to the the issues between russia and ukraine so i think their their strategy might be sort of just to to kind of see to wait and see whilst at the same time you know continuing the trends that we've seen over the last five years of of kind of seeking to destabilize uh, ukraine or provoke kiev um, you know this will take the forms of continued disinformation campaigns only the other day the security services of ukraine uh, interdicted and exposed a uh, a GRU, a GU, a military intelli- Russian military intelligence uh, disinformation campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's probably quite likely we'll see an increased frequency of, of, of cyber attacks on on um, Ukrainian state entities, perhaps even the Central Election Commission, which uh, was attempted in 2014. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, these are the kind of main trends I would think would, would, would carry on. They have a, a fairly capable structures in place to, to sow instability and to sort of try and discredit Poroshenko in particular, um, and to sort of further polarize society in one way, they've sort of thought to, sought out to do this is uh, around the issue of the independence of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Mm-hmm. There have been a few cases where by provocations linked back, um, claimed to be linked back to uh, to the FSB, where where they sort of in, in paid people to um, cause problems or violence in in sort of rural areas to sort of gin up the division between the the two uh, the the split <clears throat> between the. Ukrainian uh, Orthodox Church and the the Russian Orthodox Church in Ukraine. So I guess to wrap it all up, moving forward, we see more uncertainty, uh, kind of a continuation of the fuzzy nature of uh, the Kremlin's involvement, and I guess different points of 
potential conflict over the summer in the Donbas. Would that is that a correct? Yeah, assessment? I think you know, a key in the, in the key kind of uh, policy areas or key sectoral areas of energy, agriculture, we'll see a kind of yeah impasse in reform. I don't think we'll we'll see an unbundling of Ukraine's energy sector in terms of uh, you know uh, supply and transportation, which is a crucial thing. I think relations with the EU, the IMF in particular, will will be kind of on pause until this is all sort of un- unravels. You know, uh, land reform I think was slow. Uh, both uh, Timoshenko is wholeheartedly against that. Poroshenko has been a bit sort of uh, weak in tackling the kind of vested interests around it. Um, and those are two two sectors that, if Ukraine were able to successfully reform, would be you know attractive, uh, attract quite a lot of, of, of foreign investment um, and be very valuable kind of economic boosts if they were able to maximize those two sectors. Yeah, I think in uncertainty in the Donbass and, and the conclusion of that will we'll kind of persist. And it's a sort of sort of wait and see. We can come back in October and have, a, have another chat about it. Yes. So I look forward to coming back and hearing what your thoughts on October after this election period. But other than that, thank you so much for joining us, Ed. Um, and thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening. And we hope you have found this podcast useful. If you would like to learn more about our services, or if you have any questions or feedback, please get in touch at info at sibyline.co.uk.